to the truth simply put the teaching broadcast vehicle of the basilea commission on today's teaching by alexander victor god's word rightly divided in the light of christ who is the central theme of the entire scriptures will come with simplicity precision clarity and power to instruct admonish edify and build you up into the full measure of the stature of christ now let's dive straight in the difference in mileage, spiritual mileage between one believer and the other is in the level of subscription to God's word. How much premium you place on God's word. Somebody receives the word and runs with it. It's like now I said, go and be a blessing to her. A voice tells you, why should I? But you know you could have. You just weighed the distance from where you sat to where she's standing and decide to opt for the convenient option. Or you decide, well, you know, some other people will give. I mean, she knows I love her. Those people are actually very wicked. Anybody that tells you, you know I love you, I don't need to give to you to show you I love you, is very wicked. It's anti-Christ. Because here's the Christ spirit. For God so loved. Love gives. You can't be saying love and it's not accompanied by giving oh yes of course you can give without loving but you can't love without giving you can't you can't say you're in love and not give you can't say you're in love and then when giving comes up you feel flustered and uncomfortable you feel like no then you're not a giver you're actually very evil very wicked so sometimes the word will come and somebody will respond just because of the word not even because they could not even because they could, but because of the word. Because if it's a word that's coming, the word enables me to be able to. Does that make sense? So when the word comes and you respond, you're not responding because you could. You're responding because you are conscious of the activating power in the word. In other words, you didn't have to be able to do. You just had to receive the word that enables you to do. In other words, let me try again. The word of God doesn't come and gives you an instruction based on your ability. No. That's how you audition for a contest. They're looking at your ability. They're not trying to teach you anything. You meet the court, jump on in. You don't meet the court, well, see you next time. They leverage your ability. Does that make sense? The word of God injects ability. So God doesn't give you an instruction because he thinks you can do it. He gives you an instruction because embedded in your subscription to that instruction is the ability to do it. Do you understand what I just said to you? A word doesn't come because you can do it. The word is not contingent on your ability. So Jesus comes in Matthew 14 showing up on, on top of the water. And this guy started to scream and they said, oh, he's a ghost. The disciples, they believed in ghosts, even though they were with Jesus. I mean, if, if this was day one after Jesus called them, we'd have said, okay, you know, they are, they are new to this thing. But they've been with him for a while. I said, oh, he's a ghost. Jesus said, be of good cheer, it is I. The wind is tossed by the waves, the waves are blowing contrary. Jesus is coming to them against the wind and waves walking on water. And Peter says, well... I know you. 
or at least I think I do. So if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water, not any other way. You are on the water. So if it's you, tell me to come to you on water. Now there's nothing that suggests that any human being can defy the law of gravity and aerodynamics. You, you can't even stand on water. You can think you're standing for a minute, like Tom and Jerry. <laughs> you know, you think you're standing and then you fall. <laughs> you know, Tom can be running on the water until he realizes I'm on the water. And boom. And he says, tell me to come to you. King James says, bid me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus said, come. In that one word, come, was loaded everything Peter needed to walk on water. So when Peter stepped out, he didn't step on water. He stepped on the word. It wasn't water he walked on. It was the word of Jesus that said, come. And, and he, so, so it's not accurate to say, Jesus, the only one that walked on water. No, sir. Peter walked on water for a minute. The moment he took his eyes off of the word and considered, like Tom of Tom and Jerry, I should not be walking on water, he sank. Does that make sense? Because he took his eyes off the ability of God, the ability of the word, and began to look at his own inability. Like, I, I, I should not ordinarily be walking on water. The moment he switched consciousness, he sank. So we're going to talk today. Let's talk about word consciousness. Word consciousness. First Timothy 4. And 12 through 16, Paul speaking to Timothy says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Presbyteros. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Tell a neighbor, give yourself entirely to them. Why? That your progress might be evident to all. Put it in the King James, KJV 15. That's what I wanted you to see. That you're profiting, that you're profiting, that you're benefiting might appear to all. TPT. Make all of this your constant meditation and make it real with your life so that everyone can see that you are moving forward. The message, 15. Cultivate these things, immerse yourself in them. The people will all see you mature right before their eyes. So you see, maturity is not a function of how long you've been in church. Anybody can boast, I've been in that Lord for 30 years. Been in that Lord doesn't make no difference. I was born in church. It's worse for you. Because you see, what happens with a person who enters status quo? You know status quo? When you settle, you just, this is how it's always been. Like it's happening to some of you right now. You just are not listening because you have spent all your life in church on Sunday knowing that there's a part of the service where somebody will speak to you. 
So you just zone off. Now mark such people and see their profiting doesn't appear to all. Because they, they don't profit in the first place. Their life's trajectory is exactly a function of only their own effort. You see, the dangerous thing about testimonies is when somebody hustles his way through life and then comes and testifies and says, to God be the glory. I've told you over and over, if everything you have in your life you worked for, you are poor. Even if you're a multi-billionaire. If you bought everything you have, if every, you spend your money, you work hard and you get everything you have, you're very poor. Because around here, the strongest currency of the kingdom is favor. Not money. It's one of the hallmarks of a son of God. And that favor comes in the form of benefits, makarios. Benefits that accrue to a believer at the place of obedience to God's word. I taught this extensively a while ago. The difference between the blessing, eulogio, and blessings, makarios. So when James says in chapter 1 uh, about he that hears the word of God and, and doeth it, he that hears it and does it, and continues in it, he says the same shall be blessed in what he does. It cannot be referring to the blessing that you have already been blessed in Christ Jesus. Right? Ephesians 1, 3, and I'm blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. It's past tense. He has blessed us. Yes, right? With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places or heavenlies. Uh, Christ has redeemed us from the cost of the law. Galatians 3, 13. Uh, having been made a curse for us as is written, cursed is he that hangs on a tree. 14. That the blessing of Abraham might rest upon the Gentiles who believe. The blessing. Right? Yes. Earlier on he mentions that, that it, is, it, it doesn't say to as his seeds as in many but seed as in singular and that seed is Christ does that make sense so the blessing is Christ you know deposited in us in the person of the Holy Spirit you already have that blessing if you already have that blessing then James will not be saying if you obey God's word you will have what you already have make sense so the word changes in the original language from, from eulogio, from which you get the word eulogy, and that means to speak well over someone or to release something over someone, especially as a superior, releasing something over somebody that he or she is superior to. That's the, that's the language or the concept that the writer of Hebrews borrows in Hebrews chapter 7 when he says that of necessity, the lesser is eulogized. So I told by the greater. Does that make sense? So I cannot bless you, Eulogio. I cannot. Because to do that would be to imply that I am greater than you and you are lesser than I. Now we have introduced that into church, but it's not of God. No, it's not of God. I know some of you don't like when I say that, but it's not of God. Because to, to, to introduce the place of me blessing you without which you cannot do something that God already did for you in Christ is for me to assume the place of God in your life as one who is greater than you. But we are all sons of God. God has no grandchildren. We are all sons of God. We are all in the priesthood of believers. We are all kings and priests. There is only one king of kings. 
We are all priests. We now have one high priest. There's no deputy high priest. So I can't bless you. A blessing that only God can bless you. And therefore a blessing that God already has blessed you. So when James now says you will be blessed. So the word then changes from eulogio to the word makarios. Is also translated blessing. Benefits. Tangible benefits that accrue or are deposited to a believer at the place of obedience to God's word. That means every believer who is born again, accepted into the beloved and, 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 and redeemed in Christ Jesus, has the forgiveness of sins. Every such believer has the eulogio. Everybody has the blessing. Every believer is sat in the heavenlies in Christ. Every believer. But our benefits will differ. Do you understand? Our benefiting will differ. Our profiting will differ. Some people's profiting will appear to all men. Other people's profiting will not. Some others will not even profit at all. But we are all saved. The danger is with you as a believer. Being comfortable to be sat in heavenly. You are here in the earth. Positionally speaking, you are sat in the heavenlies. Vitally speaking, we are here. So Makarios essentially becomes at the level of your obedience, injecting your position into your condition. Profiting. Makarios is, I'm benefiting now from where I am sat there. So my obedience to God's word is the bridge between where I am and what I have positionally and how it works for me here and now. So for the believer, heaven, eternity has been sorted. Your profiting is not for eternity. Your profiting is for here and now. How do you enter that? By obedience to a word that goes ahead. That is spoken over you. So the difference between one believer and another. You see one believer profiting and prospering and doing well. And, and, and just enjoying the best of God in the earth. And another one is, is destitute and, 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 and poor and shattered and battered and tattered. Is that one has laid hold of the word of God for everything he says. Another person hasn't. It's not that one is praying above the other. Because these things don't necessarily come by prayer. One person has held on to what God's word says and believes it. One person has said, if it's you, bid me to come upon the water. So you look through scripture in the initial following of Jesus by his disciples. You see that they struggled with, with honoring his word for a while. I mean, he tells them, feed these people. 5,000 men besides women and children. That's at least 20,000 people. He says, feed them. And then one of them comes and says, <laughs> I think it was Philip. I says, even if we bought 200 denarii's worth of bread, you understand? Even if Satan was turned to bread. <laughs> a very big bread. So even if we had 200 denarii's worth of bread, a denarii was a day's wage. Remember? Yes, sir. I just want to be telling you, your Bible tells you. Yes. A man went out who had a vineyard and called laborers, come, I will pay you a denarius. That's how we know. It's simple. 
Do you understand? You don't have to read something else. It's there in scripture. So even if it took 200 denarii, 200 days work, for one day's work, you're taking home about 120, 130 Gs. One day's work. And that will equal to a denarii. The value of a denarii in Jesus' day. Now when you understand that that is the value of a denarii, and then scripture tells you that a woman used one year's salary to buy perfumers, break it on the feet of Jesus. You understand the value? One year's wages in a bottle. And you just brought it and smashed it and just poured the whole thing on his feet. And use your hair to wash it. So this guy goes 200 denarii. So let's do a quick math. 120 Gs. Let's even stay with 100 Gs a day. 100,000 Naira times 200. 20 million. 20 mil. Bread for 20 mil. 20 million Naira's. <laughs> Words of breads. And this guy told Jesus, even 20 million Naira bread cannot feed these people. That shows you the hopelessness of the situation. But in that, in that narrative, he said, Jesus said this to test them, for he already knew in himself what he would do. Yes, sir. So have the people sit down in companies of 50s. So they all sit down in companies of 50s. Bible history said that according to their clans and the head of each clan, so it would have been a head over 50, head over 50, you know, like that. And then he says, what do you have? And he says, we have nothing, safe. five loaves of bread and two fish. All that could feed was a boy. His mom didn't pack his lunchbox for him to share. Do you understand? Yes, the mom didn't pack for him to share with the community. This is all we have. He says, yeah, well, put them in companies and bring the bread to me. And he takes bread and lifts it up and gives thanks. And breaks it and gives them. And he says, share among them. You realize that if you look at that, study that carefully, bread did not just show up instantly to feed 20,000 people. It was five loaves broken that did not run, went round. Because there's nothing that says, as soon as he did not multiply, so what was left over was not what was left over from the multiplication was what was left over that people are eating and left. So you have a loaf, you ate it, you can't finish it, you dropped it, you ate it. That's left over. Don't think chaffing dishes when you read leftover. You know, chaffing dish, you go to a wedding reception. They fed everybody. They fed them again. They fed them again. Then there's 12 coolers left that they didn't have to use to feed anybody. That's not the, the context of leftover in the feeding of the 5,000. The concept of that is we have fed everybody and we, what we gathered in order to not waste food, what we gathered that people did not eat, we now needed 12 baskets to put it in. Does that make sense? So somebody has a loaf, he has eaten and eaten and eaten and there's still bread left. Okay, let's get, get baskets. Let's be putting this bread we can't finish in the baskets. How many baskets have we filled? Not how many baskets of bread did we not serve? Because it's not what was remaining. Left over. You have eaten and it's left over. 
collected it and filled 12 baskets. So at the point of breaking and passing, breaking and passing, there was just enough bread from five loaves. Broken. So it means that as these guys were breaking and serving and breaking and serving, multiplication was taking place. Sponsored by what? The word. And what was the word that went ahead? Feed them. Jesus told his disciples what? Feed them. They've been here for three days. We can't send them away hungry. Feed them. Somebody else will say, you know what? I'm not even... This, see, Pav, this thing is impossible. What you're saying is not, it's not even going to work. How can, how, how can? You know, philosophers, logicians, rationalians, reasoners, realists. No, but it's not humanly, physically possible to do this. And so you zone off, no profit. Somebody comes and talks in. You have a problem with their profiting. African. You now become envious of the person that is profiting. But you haven't availed yourself. 1 Timothy 4, we're in 15. Give me 16. Continuing them, for in doing this, you will save. And this is not salvation from sin. This is sozo. You will avoid plenty trouble. You'll be rescued from plenty calamities, you and others around you, if you take heed to doctrine. Because you cannot save yourself. I haven't looked at the tippity. Let me see how the tippity puts verse 16. Give careful attention to your spiritual life and every cherished truth you teach, for living what you preach will then release even more abundant life inside you and to all those who listen to you. The message. Keep a firm grasp on both your character and teaching. Don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Both you and those who hear you will experience salvation. Again, the word there, save, it's not the word soteria from, each, from the word soter, which is the one that referred to Christ as savior, is the word sozo. Calls into question Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess your mother, Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Who is Paul writing that to? An unbeliever or a believer? Romans 1, 2. Give me one. Give me one, one. Let me see if it's there. Paul, a born servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised, okay, through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Go on. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Go on. Among whom also you are the called of Jesus Christ. Now see who he addresses this letter to. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called saints. To be is not in the original language. So if you check your Bible, to be is in italics. Any word you see in italics in the New Testament was not there originally. It was injected by English translators to in their supposed bead to help it flow better. Right? So most times when you see grace to you and peace, or the, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you, you see that the be in your Bible is in italics. Have you noticed? Because grace to you, it was not a prayer. 
There's grace and peace with you. Then English added, be with you. As though grace and peace is not with you. So I'm praying for grace and peace to be with you. Anybody have a physical Bible? Check towards the end of Paul's letters. You, some of you have seen it many times. Yeah, Grace and peace be with you. You see that the B is in italics. Right? It means it wasn't there before. But just so that we, can, we think he can read better, we say, be with you. But there's actually grace and peace is with you. Grace and peace with you. Paul was only affirming what they had, not giving them what they didn't have. That was, by the way. So, he's writing to the Romans. The saints, right? Called saints. Hagios. Same word for sanctified. Same word for holy. Same root word. Hagios. And he's telling them, if you believe and if you confess and believe, you will be saved. Is this salvation from sin? If you're already hagios, food for thought. Bible study point. Run that parallel with where we are in First Timothy 4.16. You can't tell me now that there was the possibility that Timothy wasn't saved. No, you can't tell me that. You are evil to say that. To even think it. You're a very dangerous person. You can't assume. Because you see, if you argue with Romans and say, well, there were plenty, there's a possibility that some in the church were saved, some in the church were not saved. Timothy was written to Timothy. Yeah, Paul was writing to Timothy. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 or 2. We'll see who wrote and who was written. First Timothy 1. Paul. Yes? That's who wrote. Who is Timothy? A true son in the faith. Do you understand? This is not even, say, Philemon. This is not something you can even think of, of debating. Paul wrote to a true son in the faith, Timothy. And he said, pay attention to doctrine. You will save yourself. So you cannot tell me that it's salvation that comes as part of forgiveness of sins. Because this guy is a true son in the faith. Are you in class? Yes, sir. So you see why Paul tells Timothy that you must rightly divide the word of truth. Orthotomio. Cut a straight line. Don't turn left. Don't turn right. Don't be navigating around scripture to suit you. That's the word rightly divide. It's the Greek word orthotomio. Like a fashion designer cutting, sewing a hem. Make sense? The hem is not straight. You have wrongly divided that fabric. Does that make sense? So that's the analogy that Paul borrows and says, rightly dividing. It means sew this thing straight. Or you, your madame will tell you to lose it. You know what I'm saying, gift? Say, lose it. This thing is not straight. What are we doing now by teaching? We are losing a lot of nonsense. Because they didn't cut it straight. It wasn't rightly divided. Orthotomio. You now look and say, throw James away. Throw first John away. Or say, if we confess our sin, to who are we confessing? Read the previous verses. Confess your sin to one another. That you may be healed. I pray for one another that you may be healed. Then he comes and says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful. What is our sin? If God doesn't need our sin to save us, we confess the Lord Jesus. 
Why are you telling me to confess my sin? And it's John who is speaking. And you can't say John did not know Jesus. The love of God was captured by John. So you can't say John is now contradicting the message of grace. You can't say that. Until you understand what? To be who is your sin. For God made him who knew no sin to become. So wait. Who was your sin? Who is your righteousness? Who died your death? Who is your life? Why are you confused? Who took your sickness? Who became your healing? So why are you struggling with one and then not, not struggling with the other? Who is my death? Christ. I died in him. Who is my life? Christ. I am alive in him. Who is my sin? Christ. He became my sin. Who is my righteousness? Christ. My, my righteousness to God. So when I confess my sin, look at, look at the text carefully. If we confess our sin, he is faithful. If you confess our sins, he is faithful. If you confess the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart. If you confess your sin, he is faithful. Scripture is not lying. There's no contradiction. Just open your eyes and see. Rightly divide. Stop arguing. So take heed to doctrine. For in doing so, you will save yourself. It cannot be soteria because you cannot save yourself. Can you save yourself? So, can 1 Timothy 4.16, put it up, be referring to salvation? Because neither is there salvation in any other. Are you following me now? But at the name of Jesus. Hmm? You shall call his name Emmanuel, for he shall save his people from their sins. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. <laughs> Do you understand? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching. Yes. The things I wrote to you, most excellent Theophilus of all, that Christ began both to do and teach. So the grace that was teaching is Christ who came doing and teach. Yes, Are you following me? Yes, it is straightforward. It's, it is Christ Jesus that saves. Yes, yes, Not keeping to doctrine. That's works. Because if I'm telling you, keep to doctrine. In doing so, you'll be saved. I'm telling you, in order to be saved, go and learn the Bible, practice it, do well with it, then you receive salvation. If that's the case, then Jesus did not need to die. That was a waste of divine blood. (laughs) Just give us the book, give us time. You know, say, I'm setting, do you understand? Like you're doing a PhD and writing a thesis, they tell you you have two years. Complete your thesis, collect your salvation. Do you understand? So we, everybody know what you're doing. Module by module, module by module. You're doing it, you're paying your school fees as you're going. <laughs> Whenever you finish, you bind your thesis, submit it, degrade it, and you get salvation. Simple. But that's not what scripture says. So 1 Timothy 4.16 cannot be saying, adhere to doctrine to be saved. It's saying, adhere to doctrine to stay out of trouble. Follow me now. To enjoy life with very little calamity. And to not drag people around you into calamity. Yes, that is profiting. Now if you, if you open it in your lexicon or Greek, you see what it means. Rescue, deliverance. Yes, away from. And sometimes we can mix that up for soteria. 
But soteria comes from soter, which is savior. It's because of savior that you have saviorship, salvation. You cannot be talking about salvation if there's no savior. All right? So it's not soter that comes from soteria. It is soteria, the verb salvation, that comes from savior, Christ. Yehoshua. You follow me now? Okay. Second Timothy 3. Is this helping anybody? So that you, so that you, can, you can be skilled in the world. Though. Do you understand? Yeah. You might think it's not necessary now, but it will save you many troubles. It will save you. Tell anybody it will save you. It will save you. You are saved. Hmm? It will save you. It will save you. Because you can be saved and not saved. You can be saved and drink yourself to death. Smoke yourself (laughs) to the lake or you become the lake of fire. (laughs) You become the fiery furnace. (laughs) Yeah, you smoke your lungs. You are saved though. Smoke. Get high. Do you understand now? You are saved from sin. You are saved. You are eternally secured. But you entered calamity you could have delivered yourself from. Because you don't hear word. So why are we teaching you sound doctrine? So you can behave yourself. And not short circuit yourself before his work in you is done. See, only a living son of God can enjoy grace. You understand? Go and kill yourself. Well, amen. Praise God for you. So you understand Sozo now in that context? So then, with this principle, when you read Romans 10, 9, and 10, arrive at your conclusion, what he say? He's telling a believer, if you confess and believe, you will soteria. What was he saying? If it was saying that, why was he saying that? Was it implying at that point that the audience changed to the unbeliever? Does that make sense? If it implied that, where did the change in thought take place? Because again, the word there is the same word, so so. Yes, it's not soteria. Yes, in Romans 10. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh well. <laughs> Second Timothy 3, verse 10. 10 through 17. But you, again, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, true son in the faith, right? But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, Long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, mm, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord sozoed me. That's the living. The Lord saved me. Are you... you? Go on. Yes, and all who desire... To live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All. Somebody say all. All. So if you're not being persecuted, um, living well is believing well. It's from believing well you behave well. Living well is not behaving well. Living well is believing well. It is from believing well you behave well. Living well, godly living, behaving well. Godly living is not right behavior. 
Godly living is right believing, out of which right doing comes. <laughs> it's not your doing he's pleased by, it's your believing. Out of your believing, you will live godly. You will work worthy of your calling, Ephesians 4.1. Are you here now? Okay, so let's go on. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, right, will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. Does that sound like where we, where we are in this day and age? Deceiving and being deceived. You must continue in the things you have learned and been assured of. Tell your neighbor, you must continue. In the things you have learned and been assured of. See why. This next line is crucial. Knowing from who you have learned them. Go back to verse 10. Knowing from who you have learned them. He says you have followed my doctrine. My manner of life. My purpose. My faith. My perseverance. My afflictions. What happened to me in those places? And I must continue in these things knowing who you have learned them from. In other words, putting forward himself as the pattern to imitate. Knowing, it's not just enough to say, follow doctrine. Follow doctrine consistent with who taught you. So how you behave is important. Old teacher. Follow what I say, don't follow what I do. Not in the kingdom. Not in the kingdom. We are doing people around here. Tell me about where we are doing people. Yeah, we are doing people. Okay, let's continue. So knowing whom you learned them from, 15, and that from childhood thou hast known or you have known, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. Soteria. You understanding me now? So when you see a word, don't just assume the word means what you think it means. Let the context define it. And which is able to make thee wise for salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. How do we know here it's talking about Soteria? Because Paul says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Which is in Do you understand that now? So that's consistent. That's the right way to interpret scripture. Right? So she's able to make you wise unto salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. So what is the purpose of the scriptures? To bring about knowledge of salvation. In Christ. Christ is the message of the scriptures. Christ is the message. I saw something yesterday that troubled me. And it troubled me because it's a so-called New Testament preacher that posted. He said, uh, the gospel of Christ is God's love to those who believe, and to those who don't, it is a death sentence. And I think I understand what he's trying to imply, but it's not the gospel that is a death sentence. The gospel cannot be the harbinger of death. Cannot. It's good news that does not have a bad side. Would you come into death if you didn't believe? Yes. Who brought you into death? Yourself. John 3.17, yourself, he that believes. He says, he that does not believe, John 3.17, is condemned already. So the judgment he's waiting for is just to affirm what he chose for himself. 
For God does not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. You don't believe, you're condemned. All of us were condemned before we believed. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. If you don't believe, you are condemned. Who condemned you? Yourself. Because God does not condemn. He, if he condemns, Jesus should have condemned at least once. Says he, he said that he did not send his son to condemn. He came to convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. Not to condemn. So if you refuse the gospel, you're in damnation. You chose your path. You just be announced to you what you chose. But the gospel is not, cannot, you can't mention gospel and death in the same sentence. Because the entire message of the scriptures is salvation in Christ Jesus. Do you understand? So Paul tells Timothy, since you are a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures able to make you wise unto salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. That means Timothy saw Christ before Paul showed up to start teaching him. Paul cannot take credit for showing Christ to Timothy. He says, from when you were a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. It didn't say unto salvation. So from the studying of the scriptures, Timothy would have known that a Messiah was coming. And then he would have known when the Messiah came. And he would have believed the Messiah and received his salvation. And Paul was just telling him, since you are a child, you have known these things. You get it? Go on, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, or is God-breathed, and is profitable for doctrine, for Reproof, and reproof there is actually instruction. That's the same word, instruction. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. See this, that the man of God. Who is the man of God? 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 Jennifer, who is the man of God? The believer. Who, who is the man? Who are you? So who is the man of God? How about women of God? <laughs> that the man of God, the man in Christ, yes, sir. the man that God saved, yes, sir. is the man of God. Oh. Yes, sir. Don't let Pentecostalism twist your head. Oh. M-O-G, M-O-G. It's all of us that are gene in the M-O. Yes, <laughs> we are all M-O-G. Yes, all of us. Yes, hey, man of God, how you doing, man? Hey, we are all men of God. Yeah? That the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. You are saved. You have a nice house. The house is nice. You know what I mean? Unfurnished. If you neglect doctrine. You have a nice house that will profit you nothing. Scripture is given for doctrine, reproof, correction. Instruction in righteousness that the man of God, go on 17, that the man of God oh, may be complete, thoroughly equipped. That's the word furnished, King James. Thoroughly furnished. Unto every good work. So there's some things you cannot be useful in. 
if you are not furnished or equipped by doctrine, by scripture, by the word of God. So to neglect or disregard or to be unconscious of the word of God is to refuse everything God has done for you in Christ. You are saved, no furnishing. You know, when you visit me next time, I will have a cooker. Sorry, I can't cook for you today. You know, the house is completed, but you know, water is not running. You know, when I have money, I will do the plumbing. Water will run. You can't profit anybody. You and your house. Because you cannot be used. You become a vessel unto dishonor. Because you know when he says, he says, in a great house, there are vessels. Not, it wasn't saying that some people outside, are vessel, if you're outside, you're a vessel of dishonor. If you're in here. No, no, it says in a great house. Referring to the kingdom, the house of God. He didn't say in different houses, there are different kinds of vessels. In a great house, there are vessels of honor. In a house that is not great, there's vessels of dishonor. He's saying in a great house, there is the spoon that is reserved for daddy and the tumbler and the, and the, the cup. Hmm? And there is that particular bowl that you can use to wash your behind when there's no tissue in the same house. It's not made of gold. It's rubber. Do you understand what I'm saying? Behind, when there's no tissue. And there's people that will occupy front line. What makes the difference? Your furnishing. I like this rubber. This rubber is, oh, this rubber has been faithful. Very faithful. Let's use it and serve the master. Use it to wash and the rubber does not complain. Rubber is very faithful. Let's use it and serve the master dinner tomorrow because this rubber has been very faithful. Would you do that? What then makes you feel like because you have been in church for eight years, you are now qualified to preach? What makes you then feel like you have been in church long enough to qualify to be given a title? Why hasn't the robber in the bathroom in your house graduated all the way to your dining? Why? You bought a glass, you know what the glass was going to do? There will have to be a seismic transformation. There has to be metamorphosis of gargantuan proportion. For, there has, do you understand? There has to be a Cinderella experience. You know what I'm saying? Pumpkin to chariot. There has to be a serious transformation. You come in and you see this robber in the toilet and it is no longer the robber it was. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You can't be It's like you walk in and see your plate in the bathroom. You're like, no, you can't be. You can't be here. You don't belong here. Come here. What's the difference between verses of honor and verses of dishonor? Furnishing. Scripture is profitable for doctrine. Instruction in righteousness that the man of God be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Anywhere a man of God is required, you are available to be deployed. Or else you just end up serving men of God. And chasing after men of God. Begging men of God. Being manipulated by men of God. Duped by men of God. Because you refused furnishing. We are teaching you the word. You don't want to apply it. Therefore, you will stay subject to someone who is manipulating it. 
Because you can't know the difference between when you're being taught well and when you're not being taught well. So anybody can manipulate you. You know the worst manipulation? When you are convinced you're, you're getting the right thing. And you're convinced you're getting the right thing. And that's why a lot of us despise a setting like this. You relegate it to familiarity. Because you are used to being manipulated. You're used to being controlled and you're used to being afraid of the man of God. Of the prophet. Because they can't see. The error is where you start a ministry around prophetic. Say so we are a prophetic church. You lost it. We are a worship church. You lost it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, 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 and so, intercession and prayer ministry. Because you have championed an entire work on a single gift. No. No other foundation is laid other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Not your gift. Can't start a church, so all we are going to be doing is seeing. Therefore, the CE will always serve the CR. if I don't see, you will not go anywhere. I said, you can't build a church on a gift. If you're not a teacher, get into doctrine. In the meantime, put somebody there who is a teacher. Add to your gift doctrine. Add to your gift doctrine. You don't build a church on a gift. You build it on doctrine. And the man of God be thoroughly furnished, equipped unto every good work. You, man of God, furnished in Christ Jesus. We can deploy you anywhere. You stop staying behind and serving those who are being deployed. Because every senior officer will have an ADC serving him. You constantly find yourself in the fringes of what's going on. And then you will now realize, oh, but I, I think I can be a, a spoon or a fork. You now sort yourself forward and you'll be embarrassed or blocked. Or you self-sabotage because you're not equipped for what you desire. Are you following me now? You are not equipped for what you desire. And so prophetings differ. Respond to the word differs. The profiting we get thereby differ. If you're not conscious of the word of God, you can't profit thereby. Are you listening to me? You can't disregard the word of God and prosper or profit thereby. In other words, the word of God is the gateway to all that is yours in Christ Jesus. The word of God, say the word of God, is the gateway to all that is mine in Christ Jesus. Now say it as one sentence, one to go. The word of God is the gateway to all that is mine in Christ Jesus. One more time. The word of God is the gateway to all that is mine in Christ Jesus. So to despise the word of God is to block or sabotage the enjoyment of all that is yours. It does not spoil what is yours. No, you have it. The house is yours. But it sabotages your accruing, your maximizing, your appropriating, your enjoying, your utilizing of all that is yours. All that is yours. Somebody who is sick, looking for somebody to pray for him, is somebody who has healing that is not using, looking for somebody who has healing that they are using. Do you understand what I just said to you? 
See, um, man of God, bro, sis, I'm sick. Pray for me. You have healing you're not using. You're not looking for somebody else who has what you have. The person is using it. You don't get angry when they don't share some of it with you. Pastor doesn't want to see me. I've been asking to see power for, for three weeks. So he can pray for me. So I can receive my breakthrough. If it's breakthrough you are after, go to a wall. Break through it. See, listen. Why are you looking for breakthrough and you are praying? To get a breakthrough, go somewhere. Breakthrough, breakthrough. Breakthrough, like it's a scriptural term. Take your breakthrough. Receive your breakthrough. How we go to break? Says I have no way I'm breakthrough. I'm break. Huh? Find somewhere and breakthrough. You can be there, and don't lay hold of that which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's yours. They pray for me. Do this for me. Do that for. I'm confused. I'm very confused. I don't know what to do. You have clarity that you're not using. You're not looking for somebody else who has clarity that they are using. Because both of you have the same spirit. Same spirit. Now, are you saying we should not go for counseling? I didn't say that. I'm saying use what is yours in Christ Jesus. So that means you should be laying hold of gifts from a place of richness, not from a place of drought. From a place of mutual edification. Not from a place of, I don't have, give me yours. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, each one has, say each one has. Each one has. Each one has. A psalm, a song, a healing, a prophecy. Each one has. Each one. Each one, none should be without. None should be without. So if in this particular dimension, you release a healing, I release a psalm. You release a tongue, I release an interpretation. Do you understand? You release Gary, I release Granote. We are, we are each person is having. You can't be the liability all the time. You can't. Each one has. So you, because you're, 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 you become a leech, you know, an ectoparasite, just drinking off of somebody else's grace that they're using. Meanwhile, you have the same grace you refuse to use. You're profiting. It's not evident to all. The believer who will maximize the best of God is he or she who would be conscious of the word of God as is spoken over you. The believer who will maximize the best of God is he or she who would be conscious over you. And very soon you will understand what that means. So God has given... And done everything for us. So, so God essentially is not doing anything new. He has finished. He has rested his last, last rest. First creation, new creation. Done. Right? He's, re- he's not doing anything new. Yet. <laughs> word consciousness. Yet, nothing will happen for you. Beyond your consciousness of what he has done. As documented in his word. He has done everything. He has finished it. Yet, nothing will happen for you. Beyond your consciousness of what he has done 
as is captured in his word. I just give you the example about a house without furnishing and therefore without use, without utilization, without efficacy, without effectiveness. Nothing will happen for you. He's done it. You won't get it. It is the one that you are conscious of that you will get. Are you here? It's the one you are conscious of that you will get. So if you are conscious of the entire word that is spoken over you, blessed are you. In other words, you will not have healing and not have supply. That's not your design. Your design is to walk in the fullness of all that is yours. Because you are conscious of all that is yours. Does that make sense? Isaiah 55 and verse 10. I mentioned this earlier. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, as the rain comes down, as the snow from heaven, but does not return there. Look at this carefully. Man, God's word. The rain comes down, does not return. The snow falls from heaven, does not return there. But water the earth, as the rain and snow, water the earth and make the earth bring forth on board that the earth may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. In the same way that rain falls and doesn't go up but brings fruit. In the same way snow comes from heaven and waters the earth and doesn't go back but brings fruit. In the same way, verse 11, does the word of God from his mouth. So you see, we quote 11. First of all, you don't even know where it is. And now we go to just go, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. What is the soul? What is the soul? The soul is as the rain comes, waters the earth, it brings harvest. The rain does not go back to heaven as rain. Snow comes, waters the earth, the earth brings forth seed to the soul and bread to the eater. In the same way, it's my word that comes out of my mouth. It's like rain and snow. It cannot return back without doing something. It cannot return. It's not possible. How can rain not be able to return? Snow not be able to return. It's my word that I will send out that will come back. With, no, 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 no. In the same way, my word shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. Keep going. What I please, and it shall prosper, profit in the thing for which I sent it. So listen, if God speaks healing and you refuse it, the word cannot come back without healing someone. If a healing word is spoken in a meeting like this, it must heal someone. So the fact that you did not get healed, declared healing, does not mean that healing did not happen. So you must stop interpreting. Step up your ability to receive the word. Watch the word prosper in your life. Word consciousness. We stand in a meeting and declare by the spirit of God. Declare the counsel of God. It cannot go back without achieving something. In other words, God's word is not such that you go back and say, you know what? Like the unprofitable servant. You know, I know God, you know, I know he sent me to do this thing. But they did not accept it. So I've come back to you, Father, without doing anything. No, 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 no. Not in the kingdom of God. So shall my word that proceeds from my mouth. It cannot return void. So when a word is released and you don't see the manifestation, hey, 
Look for it. The problem is never with the word. Because scripture tells us on good authority that it does not return void. Ephesians 5.11, put up in the the NLT. It does not return void. Ephesians 5.11, NLT, quickly. It's the same with my word. I send it out and it always, somebody say always. Always. Somebody say always. Always. Somebody say always. Always. Produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So if we release God's word in this house over a particular thing and you, I receive it. That didn't happen. You didn't receive it. Look, look around. It happened. It, it, it didn't happen in your life. Doesn't mean the word failed. The word never fails. The day the word starts to fail is the day snow starts to go back to heaven as snow. Is the day rain starts to go back to heaven as rain. Is the day rain falls and after rain fell in a farm, there's no harvest. That would be the day. But it does not return void. Every time God's word is released, whether you know it or not, the word is working. Every time. It's working somewhere, it's working in someone, it's working at some point, it's working for a particular reason, it's working for a particular intent, but the word is working. It cannot but work. It cannot but work. If healing is released in the room, somebody cut it. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know, how we can be such a mixed multitude. Release healing in the room by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is moving. And some people, are, some people don't care. They're not interested. You don't come for that. We're teaching and instructing. It doesn't matter. If you take heed, remember, yes, to doctrine, you shall be saved. And everybody around you. So if you entered calamity, first of all, and then calamity that you did not get yourself out of, you despised the instruction. There was, a, there was an instruction that came. There was a word that came ahead of you yes. that you despised. Don't go there, you went. Go there, you didn't go. I mean, imagine him telling Elijah there's famine <laughs> that Elijah caused. Because nobody sent Elijah, sir. He just showed up from literally from nowhere. All we know is Elijah the Tishbite, that's all. His father, his mother, we have no clue. His village people, what tribe in Israel is from, if he's even from Israel, we don't know. Shows up, enters and says, the surely of the living of the Lord is not in question. It's going to live surely. Do you understand? The surely of the living of the Lord is not in question. <laughs> you now come and say, as surely as the Lord lives, there shall be no rain. And the guy, no chill. There shall also be no dew. No chill at all. Because if there's no rain, at least that small dew, you can manage it. But to show power, heaven say, okay, no rain or no dew, except at my word. Heaven say, okay, they close the heaven. Everywhere dried up. <laughs> no, but you say at my word. The thing happens with the prophets of Baal and Jezebel's people. And Jezebel said, see, if I don't make you like the prophets you killed, 
My name is not Jezebel. Elijah killed 850 men and ran from one woman. Don't tell me women are not powerful. Don't do that. Men, don't deceive yourself. Don't do that. Don't get into trouble with the woman in your life. Your property will be limited. Huh? Are you hearing instruction? 850 Baal prophets. One man caught them, slaughtered them. One woman coughed. Elijah ran. I mean, how more fearful than prophets of Baal and Asherah could she have been? How much more? It, Jezebel didn't have any special powers. How do I know? Jehu just stands under and says, Who in that palace is on the Lord's side? One servant said, me, he said I help me push Jezebel down. They pushed her down, she fell and died. That's how she died. You'd have thought they would have arrested her, flogged her, many stripes, you know. Then she was like, yeah, I will not die. Yeah, I am Jezebel. You cannot kill me easily. Yeah. Nothing. Jehu just stood there. Say, please, anybody that loves God up there. One someone just waves. Say, just me push Jezebel. <laughs> And the almighty Jezebel is dead. Elijah ran, sir. Ran. Found himself by a brook called Cherith. Brook had dried. Before brook dried, he was at least drinking the water there. And God was sending the most selfish bird in the world, the raven. So see, the Elijah story, it's not that God sent a bird to feed him. It's that one, the bird that was sent to feed Elijah is a carnivore. This bird eats meat. Like vultures. The raven eats meat. That's number one. You are sending a bird that eats meat to bring meat in its beak without eating. Two, the raven is a very selfish bird. It can kill its own young for food. The raven, yes. Very, very violent. Kill its young for food. Not thinking, don't drag food with me. Who are you? And God sends a bird that eats meat, a bird that doesn't share, to bring meat to Elijah. Because everything gravitates when he speaks. So you can't tell me your situation is so bad. That a word cannot reverse. That your situation is so bad that a word from God cannot change around. You're not conscious of the word. That's the problem. Because every time he speaks over you, Raven is bringing food, meat. Raven carries it. One, meat I should just eat. Two, meat I'm not supposed to share. Come and give Elijah. The brook dried up. Once the brook dried up, God knew that he couldn't bring food to Elijah where there's no water. It cannot be fed where there's no flowing stream. I'll leave that for another day. <laughs> I'll leave that for another day. 
Because any word you receive without the presence, the permitting presence of the Spirit, will not prosper you. Can't send word over you in the absence of the Spirit of God. Water dried. Food stopped. Not told Elijah, I can't, I can't, you can't be giving you food here where there's no spirit oh, yes, anymore. Yes, sir. I've moved from here. Yes, sir. Follow me to where I've, I've moved from here. The book yes, is dry. Yes, Remember what water signifies? Yes, so, brook, brook dries. God says, Elijah, okay, okay. All right, the move has finished here. Uh-huh. You can't be here now. What is, there's nothing sustaining this move anymore. Because it's the spirit of God that sustains the move. There's no water here. What are you doing here? Get up! Go to Zarephath. I have commanded a widow there to feed you. And he gets up and he follows the wind. Yes, 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 yes. Follows. He gets to Zarephath. There is no condition favorable in Zarephath for the widow to feed herself. How much more, Elijah? Does that sound familiar to the raven story? And then you see the widow. <laughs> Alpha, auntie, what do you have? Say, hey, just a little bread, flour, and gathering sticks. I'm a son, we eat this last one, and after we eat this, we're ready to die. Elijah said to her, very interesting. He said, Go and do as you have said. In other words, to eat this. Yes, Because she said, We are gathering sticks, myself and my son, to eat this last thing and then we we'll die. Elijah said, Go and eat and die. But Make for me. I want to eat and live. Yes. When you read scriptures, don't miss details. Yes, sir. He said, go and eat and die. Go and do what you said. In other words, I'm not going to try and stop you. Yes. Oh, why, can, why shall you die? Why do you want to eat and die? Die, You already know. Sing with me. Why not be content? He said, say, go and die. But me like this. See, where I'm coming from, eh? <laughs> if you hear my story. Jezebel, Professor Baal, Bobo, now the, the brook now dry, the bed now stop coming. See, I want to leave. So make my own. At that point, picture yourself as the widow. 39 reasons why I cannot do what you have said. One, one crazy prophet blocked the heavens. She doesn't even know that it's the prophet that blocked the heavens in front of her. <laughs> And information reaching us from reliable sources has it that this prophet said, as surely as the Lord lives, there will be no. <laughs> and sir, I don't know about you, but me, I know that surely the Lord lives. <laughs> so that, that means that the chances, the likelihood of rain falling is zero. Because surely the Lord lives. And this crazy man said, as surely as the Lord lives, there will be no rain or dew. So it means this is a totally hopeless situation. I mean, we're ready to die, but we know we have one more portion to at least eat before we die. You're not telling me to give you the portion that I want to eat so I can die well. If I didn't live well, is it a crime for me to try to die well? I can't live well, and I cannot come and die well. And she will go on and on and lecture the prophet like he didn't know what the reality was. At that point, you edge yourself out of profit because you are not conscious of the word that was spoken. 
But if Elijah had come and said, hey, woman, how are you doing? Say, I want to eat and die. You will not die. Thus says the Lord, feed the prophet and thou shalt prosper. That's what you want to hear. What you want to hear is feed the Lord. Give the Lord your last money and you will not run out. No, we have seen from scripture, he never speaks like that. Any prophet that tells you that is lying to you. Empty your bank account, give him 24 hours. God never speaks like that. Oh, does he do like that? Yes, he does. We took an offer for your money and stuff just happened. Instantly. Sat here and said to me that for days he had been expecting some money. And nothing had come. He had lost hope. As soon as he started calling, speaking, I called. So this Emma, I always like to call somebody to hear. Always. It's my, it's my, it's my thing. So I don't want to be telling you testimony that nobody can corroborate. If I, Jonathan, I can come and tell you something happened and nobody was there. That's why as much as possible when I'm going somewhere, I carry at least one person or two with me. I said, I gave the last that I had. I've been expecting this money. It hadn't come. And just as I sat there, he sat there behind Becky. So as soon as I, as I sat there, Inside the meeting, the money came. I said, well, look at God. So what I'm telling you is that this thing works easy. Yes. Now, we have not built a ministry around it. Yes. Doesn't mean we don't work in it. Yes. Somebody else had a similar thing. Over and over. But God will not come and tell you, see, give, give me your Isaac and see if I don't give you Jesus. Abraham will carry Isaac, Ishmael, Sarah, Eliezer. Do you understand what I'm saying? He'll carry the whole community. 200 slaves, soldiers born in his house, remember? When he went to attack those kings. He'll carry everybody, chain them like slaves. Rent the whole of Mount Moriah for three days. I will not stop killing these people until Jesus. <laughs> Give me Jesus. Nonsense. Who these people have? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to show my destiny. <laughs> Kill everybody. After all, you say you make out of me a great nation. Abraham will kill everybody. And you know what? God could. I say, allow me to kill everybody else out of only Abraham. Then he would have lied when he came to Moses. I say, allow me to kill everybody else. I will use only you, Moses. Only you. And great bring a nation. The first covenant. That wasn't, he was like, no, now. Then the, 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 the Gentile nations will now say, you brought them out of Egypt, but you could not take them into the promise. You now come and kill them. That was the hand Moses played. God was like, okay, okay. But the point I'm bringing out. <laughs> but the point I'm bringing out there is, God will not say what he cannot do. He told Moses, I will kill everybody. Usually you are making nation. That means, he could have done the same to Abraham. Give me all you have and see if I don't give you all I have. But God made no promise to Abraham when he asked for Isaac. Take your son, your only son whom you love and sacrifice him to me. Abraham didn't even tell Sarah. Just, just started going to kill the boy with no promise attached. No reward attached. And she went to go and offer, prepare the meal and gave Elijah. Elijah ate. And said to her, I'm paraphrasing now, why are you still here? You were supposed to go and eat and die. Go and do that. And then she goes back to the cruise, opens it, 
She gave the last one to make Elijah's bread. She opens it and there's enough for her to eat. And she eats, she and her son. And by evening, she's hungry. And she goes to the man, man goes, what, what are you doing here? What's happening for dinner? She says, well, we ate the last one. She says, go and eat and die. And she goes back again to the cruise and opens it. And there's another meal. The same way the, the bread and fish multiply. She opens it and there's another one. She eats again. And all through the famine, there was bread. Because all through the famine, somebody had held on to a word. If you maximize the best of God, you will be conscious of the word as is spoken over you. I may not get there today, but I will see how far I go. If you don't have a consciousness of the word, you will miss its workings. If you don't have a consciousness of the word, you would miss its workings. See, what God worked in you will not work for you and from you if you are not conscious of the word. What God worked in you will not work for you and from you if you are not conscious of his word. Now, I did not say if you do not know his word. I did not say if you don't have a house. Because the house itself can do nothing for you. What's the difference between a restaurant and a residence? Furnishings. They both have foundations. They both have walls. What they are fitted with determines their use. Do you understand? The walls are empty until you fit them. What God has worked in you, he has worked in you. Right? He's worked in you. Both to will and do of his own good pleasure. He's working in you. But he will not work for you and from you if you're not conscious. No, you can't despise God's word and expect to profit thereby. You can't. You can't. You can't. They're new creation believer. They're new testament son of God. You have no profiting if you despise God's word spoken over you. See why I keep warning you to not join company with people that teach you the indiscipline of disrespecting God's word. Such people will jump from here to here, there to here, this business to that business, this house to that house, this friend to that friend. They have no root, no profiting because they despise the word. Because the word settles a believer. The word grounds a believer. And you're watching them jump around and they'll be carrying you along, keeping you busy, doing nothing. Busy doing nothing. Place to place, just very active. No profit. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Very, you hardly have time alone. This person comes and goes, that one comes and goes, come, let's go here. Come, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do this. Let's, and then you are active. No profit. Because you, dis, you despise the word. When it's time for the word, you get uneasy. You get uncomfortable. That's when your body reminds you the sleep you have not slept in the last nine years. No premium placed on the word. We're teaching you zone out. You receive, you say, yes, Lord. And you don't put it to practice. The cares of this world come and choke it. Not if you don't know the word. If you're not conscious of the word you know. I, I, I said when I started that the first time in scripture God spoke, it was not to communicate. It was to create. 
The word of God is not just, it's the creative, the, the, the force of God that creates. It's God's word. Hebrews 11.3. 3, can you see that? By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. TPT. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. The message. By faith we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we don't see. See, tangibility for the new creation is an insult to his new creation. I've touched it before. What you can touch is false. It only exists to show you what you can touch that is more real than what you can touch. So, if you are God, prove yourself. It's not the prayer or affirmation of a new creation believer. Because for a new creation believer, that I am born again is all the proof I need that he's God. How else can I be a son of God? It's not God before he now have his son. So the moment you say, come and prove yourself, you have just doubted your own existence in Christ Jesus. Come and prove yourself. Come and manifest yourself. Come and show yourself that I am here. I am God's showmanship. I am God's workmanship. That's all, that's all the proof I need. Because the moment you doubt God's manifestation, you doubt your salvation. How are you saved? How are you saved? If you are God, why is this happening to me? If you are God, come and show. If you are God, come through. Father, come through. Let my enemies be put to shame. He, your enemies are not a factor in the equation of what God does. Tangibility yeah. was in the era that they did not have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Are you here? Yes, There's an English saying, idiomatic expression. In Calabar day before yesterday, it rained cats and dogs. Yeah. Anybody, everybody heard that? Yeah. It just simply means it rained violently and vehemently. Yeah. Did it? Rain, cats, and dogs. I mean, imagine, imagine standing outside. Hey, 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 expression evolved from somebody's imagination somebody's graphic imagination you know what could be what could what what could express how bad rain can fall any better than the imagery of it raining living things are you with me now so that imagery if you can picture ah yes okay how can you bring cat dog that gives you an idea of how bad this rain would have been in the Old Testament, what God actually did to teach you is God actually made it to rain. So instead of it just being in your imagination, and you're wondering, okay, so how will it look like if, okay, how, how do I describe that this rain is really, really terrible? But it, of course, it didn't rain cats and dogs, and it won't rain cats and dogs. You have to now imagine 
and it's up to your imagination now what color of cat, what color of dog, chihuahua, and shepherd, you know, you know, bingo, you know, <laughs> yeah, chihuahua, lampadoodle. What kind of dog was raining? What kind of cat? Was it the cross-eyed cat? Was it the straight? Actually, causes a rain of cats and dogs. Just you understand? It physically rains cat dogs. But it's not about the rain. It's not about the cats. It's not about the dogs. It's about it just showing you a picture. Does that make sense? So the entire Old Testament was cats and dogs, physical rain. To teach you one lesson. Oh, it rained heavily. Does that make sense? Deuteronomy 22, I think verse 10. God tells Israel, um, I think he says, put it up on the screen. Oh, no, 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 no. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Ox, donkey. You know what plowing is? Those, those things that you do, ridges. And God says to them, don't put these two together. Because what is it? What is it? Did he explain to them when he told them that? No. What did he make there happen? He made rain, physical cat and dog. So now, you will now see other, other nations are plowing anything they like. You see the Israelites is not plowing ox and donkey. You say, why? Say, God said. Why did God say? He didn't say. Why? Only together with me. Shall they be made perfect? So the meaning of this idiomatic expression is me that will know it. Not them. For them, it's raining real, real cats and dogs. It's me that will look back and say, oh, that was cats and dogs. That was just showing me how it rains badly. Does that make sense? So Paul now comes and extends the, the Colossians church. He says, don't be unequally yoked to unbelievers. What, what, what light, what correlation has light with darkness? Instantly you see, unequal yoke. It makes sense. Okay, ox and donkey. Believer and unbeliever. Okay. Makes sense. You try me 25 10. I'll show you one or two more examples. Give me this one. You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Physical. You know a, a muzzle, a bridle, what is put over the animal's mouth. Why is it put over the animal's mouth? So that it will not be distracted by looking for food or fodder while it is working. So when the, when the muzzle is over, the ox's mouth, it concentrates on the work. Yes. Right? Yes. And God tells them, it's wrong, go. How, how can you not allow, allow the... And ordinarily, you should tell them, don't eat, this is not for you. Walk. God says, don't. He says, why are you not, why are you letting their ox? Israelites are not muzzling their ox. God, uncle, why are you not, why are you letting the thing just eat? He said, God said. Why did God say? He didn't say. What? See, why would walk over the mouth of the ox? Where person they walk and then they chop. It's not a workshop, it's walk chop. Where person they walk and then they chop? Hmm? 17. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. And I told them yesterday, like Pav. For me, I know my label. Ah. See the next verse. For the scripture says, Deuteronomy 25.4. Now that person, they walk. And then they chop. You cannot tell somebody who is laboring over you in word and doctrine that he will not eat from you. You are a witch. 
So I don't need to tell you to be a blessing to me. You are not favoring yourself. If I am laboring over you in word and doctrine and I am not eating of you. It's not profitable for you. Argue with your Bible. Now I told you that when it rained cats and dogs, it's not about cats and dogs. That means God is not really interested in the ox, what it eats and does not eat. Before eating, God is championing the beast. You know, God, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> God is an animal activist. You know? Let's go sign up. Why will you say that? Hey, First Corinthians 9. Give me 7 or 8. Okay, 5. Just for context. Do we not have a right? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife? As do all the other apostles. The brothers of the Lord and Cephas. 6. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from walking? In other words, do we have to be walking if we are ministering to you? Next verse. Whoever goes to war, it means when it says, is it only Barnabas and I that must be walking? Then he says, whoever goes to war at his own expense. Now this hit them hard because one of them is a major in the U.S. Army. So you understood this. Who goes to war at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Verse 8. Do I say these things as a bare man? Or does not the law say the same also? Go on, verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses. Now, it gets even worse. Go on. While it treads out the grain. Now, let see this question. See this question. Wow. Somebody asks him. So you are running Old Testament, Old Testament. Low, 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 low. It's not about what it's about. Grace came to give you, help you to keep the law. He, you don't even know what the law is. It's raining cats and dogs. It's not about the cats or dogs. It's about what it shows you. So then he didn't tell them. So I, was, I told them, I said, he did not explain this to Israel because Israel did not have elders teaching them doctrine because Israel did not have doctrine because Israel did not have grace because Israel did not have the Holy Spirit. So Israel did not have people that qualified to eat of Israel because they did not have people teaching them doctrine because they did not have doctrine because they didn't have the cross because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. So he gave them the word concealed. If at that point in Deuteronomy he told them, and I, when I say this, I actually meant to explain to you that young people will be teaching you the Holy Ghost and teaching you righteousness in Christ Jesus. Excuse me, who is, who is Christ Jesus? But he, so he gives them our message concealed. In a tangible form. So by the time we receive the message revealed, we don't need tangibility. Because what tangibility reveals is more tangible than that tangible thing. So that's why he says in Colossians 2. He says, don't be caught up in Sabbaths and new moons and festivals. All of these things, were, were they actual festivals? Yes. Were they? Yes. Purim? Yeah. Tabernacles? Yeah. Pentecost? Right? In gathering? There's one more feast. Passover. There were all these feasts. Were they real? Yes. What were they? Something is real. But it's a shadow. 
You would have thought that this is what is the shadow. Me, I'm real. No, God said this, the shadow. What it was casting, that we have entered now, is the substance. You now say, no! I can go on and on. Deuteronomy 22, God tells them. He says, don't plant two different kinds of seed in your vineyard. Ah, he went ahead and told them that if you do that, you defile your land and harvest. I said, the reason why we are very stupid as Christians and unbelievers make a mess of us is because we don't study God's word. And you don't think you need it. You just want to sing and dance and pray and have your needs met. Because see, agriculturally speaking, any agricultural scientist in this room will tell you your God is stupid and dumb if he tells you if you plant two different crops on your land, you will defile the soil. What's wrong with you? Every cocoa farmer needs to plant another legume or cereal to strengthen the crop and increase the yield. So you have cocoa, you have cassava, or you have maize. And you're telling me that if I plant maize, I'm granite on my farm. I have spoiled the farm. It's a lie. Your God doesn't have sense. In fact, you don't have any God. The white man manufactured your religion. It's not how, how we show. There's no credibility in your God. He says one thing, does the other. It, 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 there's no scientific correlation. How can you say you plant two different crops and, and then you are, you are spoiling your land? And they will do one research after the other to prove to you that you and your God are stupid. A farmer went out to sow. Some fell on this kind of ground. Some fell on that kind of ground. Some fell on that kind of ground. This and this and this happened. This crowd dispersed. Jesus now called his disciples. And said, let me, unto you is granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Let me explain the meaning of this parable. The first thing Jesus explained. And the ground that he fell on was the heart of man. Stay with me. So we already know that seed is word of God. Ground is heart of man. Don't plant two different seeds in your ground. Stay, I'm not done, I'm not done, I'm not done, I'm not done, I'm not done. Hold it. Don't plant two different seeds in your ground. You defile the ground. I, 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 I marvel that you are turning away so quickly. Galatians 1 6. From the gospel to another, which is not another. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Having begun in this seed, why are you in this one? Because you are now defiling yourself. Were you saved by the teaching of the law or by the hearing of faith? Which seed are you actually prospering by? If you mix two seeds, you will defile the land. You mix, you mix law and grace, you will defile yourself. Do not wear two different fabrics on your body. What has polyester and cotton on my body got to do with anything? I'm not allergic to any of them. I can wear any two fabrics. Why are you mixing law and grace? What? Why, are you, why are you mixing Esau and Jacob? So, hold on. We don't understand scripture. We don't. We don't understand scripture. Why would God just get up and say, Esau have I hated? Jacob have I loved? What did Esau do? What did Esau do? Esau was not even born. Say, Esau have I hated? Jacob have I loved? I just hate Esau. And God does not hate. So, so we have a problem. Because in him is no shadow of turning, of variableness. 
So I'm going to say, God, I say, well, you're, you're, what kind of God do you serve? That will just say he hates somebody and then he tells you that do not hate them, love them. When your God hates. Esau, get up. Go and make me venison that I might eat and bless you. Esau gets and goes to walk. To get, to walk to get what? The blessing. Mediator. Mediator calls Jacob. Come, 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 come. Um, lamp. Slay the lamp. Shed the blood. Put the thing on you so that you can look and smell and, and feel like the lamp. Okay? But wait, so, but, but if, if I go, he, he might hear my voice or he might think it's not me. He said, no, no, no. Let your curse be upon me. Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Having been made a curse for us. So let curse be upon me. Anything that's going to happen to you, I take responsibility for it. And then, and then he goes in and he touches him and, and he feels Esau. He says, okay, take the blessing. Esau, Jacob gets the blessing he didn't work for. Esau came, comes, comes back after having worked hard for the blessing and then comes and says, okay, give me my blessing. And Isaac says, which blessing? I've given it, I can't reverse it. Esau says, it's not, it's not even small. No, even small left for me. God says, I hate that nonsense. I hate anybody that comes to me trying to feel like you have worked to qualify for what is given freely by grace. Esau, have I hated? Jacob, have I loved? Not Esau the guy. Because Esau the hated guy went ahead to prosper, to marry and have children, to be successful in business. Jacob had to even come and apologize to him and make peace with him. So, so it wasn't Esau the guy, it was Esau the system. Esau the system. You now come and want to preach a message about Esau and Jacob. And keep holding on to Esau and Jacob. They were just, as real as they were, they were just shadows. Now we struggle with understanding that they were shadows because we know that they were real. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right, right, right. If it was just your imagination, you would not struggle so much. But because God was gracious enough to play out in a narrative, like a drama, like a production, what he wanted you to see, you are now struggling to hold on to what he was just showing you to highlight what the message was. I can go on and on, narrative after narrative, law after law, all 623 of them. And show you how it was a message for us, concealed. But now it's that message, revealed that mess, and that message fulfilled. Don't mess with God's word. Don't, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Don't chip on God's word. Don't get up and feel like you know. Don't get up and feel like you don't need it. Settle down and learn it. Settle down and learn it. Don't do it. Settle down and learn it. Understand it. For what it is. Understand it for what he is. So he played out his word. Sit down. I have to find some man close. Now. Plays out his word. Understand it. Respect it. It's not your mate. There's such richness in the word. 
Read it. Calm, calm down. Read it again. Read it again. Oh Lord, what are you saying? Please premium on it. Every narrative is your redemption story played out. Everyone. Every law. Every law. Every law. I don't know. I don't know how many episodes of teaching I will do if I decided to take the law one after the other and show Christ in it. One after the other. One after the other. Fulfilled. And then here, by the Spirit of God, they will say, this is what that was about. This is what this one was about. This is what that priest was about. This is what that one was about. And now that we have this, we don't need those. That means if you really have come into revelation, you don't need something physical you can touch. You don't need something physical you can drink. You don't need to sprinkle water over you. Give you oil to drink in the morning and in the evening. We don't need you to do all them things. We don't need you to come to no physical altar. There's none. Anywhere. Anywhere. Like that roll across the altar of the Lord 12 times. So that what will happen? So that you will get something by rolling? Esau have I hated. Press premium on the word. If anything will happen in your life, it must be by the released word received. It must be by the released word received. Who is the creative energy of God? Are you sure? What was the last thing I just said? If God will help you. Not just the released word. The released word received. Not just the released word. Not just the word. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word. 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 So you think you know where I'm going. I don't think you do it yet. If you know it, blessed are you. If you know it, blessed are you. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. Verse 2 of Genesis 1. The earth was without form and void. John 1 1. In the beginning was the word. Genesis 1 2. The earth was without form and void. So watch this. There was the word in the beginning and there was nothing. So that the word is there doesn't guarantee anything will happen. That you have the word. I'm just about to start it, you know. Yes, sir. The word. You were the word. Doesn't mean anything will happen. The word. You were the word at the beginning. The word was at the beginning. And there was formlessness, void, darkness. But the word was at the beginning. So you can fool yourself all you want and say, I have the word. And then what? The word, logos, the creative energy of God, the thought process of God, the culmination of the wisdom and energy of God was at the beginning and there was nonsense. Until. In the beginning was the word. And still, it had to take 
and God said. Why did God have to release a word when the word was there and this word was God? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And God could not happen until the word which was present was released. Until the word which was present was released. Let there be. First speaking, creation, not communication. God didn't speak first to introduce himself. He spoke first to create. All through Genesis 1, God is speaking for creation. Not for communication. What was he doing? Releasing the logos. Not as logos. Because I said to you when I taught you the word of power and the believer, that Rema is not revealed word as charismatic Christianity has taught it. The word Rema is actually a word released to address a particular situation. So you see, there was the word of God in the beginning. All of the word of God could do nothing. Until we narrowed down the word to say we have a darkness problem. Let there be light. So all of the logos became Rema. Relevant for a particular, like a laser guided precise weapon. And all of the logos goes light. Okay, we have light. Okay, now. Let there be firmament. All of the logos enters Rema. Now we are dealing with a problem. The absence of firmament. Let us go firmamenting. We create firmament. Okay, now we... Let's separate the firmament from the firmament because now we have firmament. We need to fix this. Okay, let us separate the firmament from the firmament. So the upper firmaments are called the heavens and the under firmaments are called the earth. And so that was done. And then it goes again. Now let lands come out of the lower firmament. And then the word goes again. And then he brings about land. And then the word goes again. Now let the earth now bring forth vegetation and fruit and seed. And it brings forth. The word was there, but nothing happened. Don't pride yourself in having or knowing the word. Be conscious of what that word can do for yes, specifically. Yes, That's when it starts to work. Be conscious of what the word can do. Specific. So when a word is released over you, it's released with a particular issue in mind. To despise it is to have no profiting in that area. Continue next to give God praise. Well, that's it for today's teaching. We trust it has been worth your time. For more of these messages from our stables, kindly subscribe to our teaching podcast at www.thebasileacommission.podbean.com or via the Podbean app on your mobile device. For inquiries and further information, kindly send us an email to info at thebasileacommission.org or find us on social media with the handles at the truth simply put or at while the church. You can also send us 
an SMS, call us or connect with us via WhatsApp on plus 234-70-881-8864. Finally, if you would like to give to support the work that we do, kindly follow the Patreon link in our podcast or contact our office for details. Thank you.